Now, I hope this text that we look at tonight and the, the general point that we're, we're going to be looking at, I hope you will find it to be in line with the last two messages and the last two texts that uh, we looked at the, the last time I appeared before you. So if you remember, um, it, it's been several weeks, but the last time that I spoke, we looked at 2 Corinthians 7.1. And really the singular point of that message was the fact that the, the privilege that the Christian has of being able to enjoy a living relationship with God, that is a motivation to live holy. I hope you remember that. And then, and then before that, again, even farther back, uh, we looked at Ephesians 3, the Apostle Paul's prayer, where again, just there, the main point was the liveliness of his prayer, where Paul was praying that the Ephesians would grow deeper in the love of Christ and would be sanctified. And we could see that, that what he was praying for was what he himself knew. And, and I pointed out that this was a living relationship that Paul had with the living God. Um, and, and I bring that to reminder because what I am attempting to do in a roundabout way is to connect these messages around the theme of communion with God and having a, a living fellowship with the living God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, both Ephesians 3 and 2 Corinthians 7, and this text that we're looking at tonight are what some men would call high mountaintops, deep theological truths um, that I, I have to confess that I, I feel unworthy to even approach. Um, and it's really the, the theme or the topic of communion with God is a, is a theme that I feel unqualified to approach. Uh, I've never, I'm not Paul Washer, I've never thrown rocks up at the sky. I'm not Martin Lloyd-Jones. I'm just a, a, a young Christian man who has found these truths to be beneficial, practically helpful for me as a husband and as a father, and, and I hope, my hope is that it will be practically beneficial for the congregation. Uh, and that's why I want to look at it. Uh, and I want to say that up front. Um, I think a lot of us have had the same experiences with YouTube and Sermon Audio. And I know for me, for a long time, I had this idea of Christianity was just pouring information into my brain. Pouring information as much as I can into my brain. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. But there, there's two, there are two pitfalls, two Two sides that are deadly. There is the, you know, the, the Bethel Church, charismatic chaos, the strange fire side that I've never seen, but I've always known of. Uh, and then there's the other side, the, the hyper-intellectualism, which I wonder if, if you can maybe share that with me, some of you. That's where I tend to lean. Um, and it's, that's dangerous. Um, so really what, what I want to point out... It's just the fact that there is a real living relationship in Christianity with the living God. 
Uh, and I know that, that is a deep theological truth. It is a deep theological mountain to climb. Um, and, and many men don't tackle it just because it is so deep. And, and oftentimes I would say what happens in the secret place with the Lord ought to stay in secret. Many times. And different experiences are going to be different with different Christians. So I don't want to put forth some type of subjective standard. But I just want to, as I approach this theme, I just want to say that there is a mountain. There is a living relationship, an experiential relationship to be lived. Knowing the living God who walks with His people. Um, so again, all that by way of introduction, we can have a living relationship with the Lord, and it is a relationship like nothing else on earth, like nothing else. Now our text is 1824. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, the Proverbs were written by Solomon, as many of us know. He was the, the son of David. He, uh, he took the throne. He, he, was, he was given the throne. He was the king of Israel after David. And he was next to, besides Jesus himself, he was the wisest man to walk the earth. He had, a, he had an insight of friendship that we can learn from. Um, if you remember in Ecclesiastes, he talks about those who are oppressed and those who oppress others, both of them alike or alone. They, ha- they, do not have, they, they do not have someone who they can lean to- towards. He, he points out in Ecclesiastes the man who labors and labors and labors, but he has no kids. He labors and labors and labors, but he has no one to give to. Um, And he tells us there in Ecclesiastes that it is good for for two to lie down together because they can keep each other warm. But how does one stay warm if he doesn't have someone to lie down with him? Um, So just keep that in mind as we look at this, just who Solomon is. We know that the Proverbs were, were written from a father to a son. And Solomon... Here he's saying that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now Solomon, he would have have seen friendships come and friendships go. He would have seen and known of everything that happened with his father. Uh, How David, his own father, betrayed Uriah. Um, And then also we see with Saul, how Saul betrays David. We see um, with Absalom... And then David's own counselor, Ahithophel, betrayed him. Men who, who claimed to be his friends, should have been his friends, made covenants with David, but betrayed David. Solomon would have seen all of that. And then also this is a king, a king who was very wealthy, who would have had many come and want to be Solomon's friend. So he is a, he is a man who has a unique perspective and and has experienced insight into friendship and brotherhood and relationships and betrayal. 
he, he saw realities of friendship and dealings with other people that most of us in this room will never know. So, again, we can see some wisdom just right up front, just from who Solomon is. Now, the first part of this verse, a man of many companions may come to ruin. The King James reads a little different. Um, the Hebrew is the same. In the King James, it says, a man that hath friends must, must show himself friendly. Uh, when you look at the Hebrew, and I, I just looked at the lexicon, I, I don't read Hebrew, uh, but it, it seems that the right translation is what we have in, in our ESV. A man of many companions may come to ruin. Um, and, and I really just, our main focus is going to be on the second half of the verse. But I, I really just want to point out, in the original, there are two different words that are used. And you can see in your own Bible that there are two different words used. You see the word companions. And then if you look, you'll see the word friend. Two different words there. So the Hebrew word that's used for companions, it, it literally just means persons or acquaintances. Peoples. It's plural. Just peoples. A, a man of many peoples may come to ruin. But the, the word that we see for friend, it could be translated as love. There is a love, singular. There is a beloved there is a singular beloved, a singular love, a singular friend who sticks closer than a brother. So just notice that there is one close friend who sticks closer than a brother. So the companions we see in the first part of the verse are, are mere acquaintances. In the second part of the verse, Solomon is talking about a special love, a singular love, a true friend. And he's talking about God himself, specifically the Lord Jesus Christ, the visible image of the invisible God, the second person of the Holy Trinity who took on flesh and became a man and who is the believer's elder brother. He is the friend. The friend. And when you get down to, to brass tacks, he is the only one worthy of that title. He is the true friend. And that, that is the, the main focus of our time here tonight, is looking at Lord, the Lord Jesus as being the one true friend to our souls. He is the friend. Solomon knew that. We ourselves, as much as we might think we are, we ourselves are, are not to others the true friend that we ought to be. We are not the friend that the Lord Jesus is. And that's why, as brothers and sisters, the best thing that we can do together is to point one another to Christ. That is the best thing you can do for a friend is to point one another towards the Lord Jesus. Because what happens if, if we start to look at each other, we miss the boat and it becomes idolatry. But we should look to Christ, the true friend. Now I have just three attributes of what a friend is. And, and, and I think you'll uh, agree as, as we look at this together, whether, um, you know, whether you have a friend 
whether it's your, your spouse, the opposite sex, a uh, child. I, I think you'll agree, when we talk about what a friend is, you have an idea in your mind of what a friend should be. Of what a friend should be. That is something that, that every person on this planet wants a friend. Everybody wants a friend. A man who has all the money in the world but doesn't have a friend is a, is a poor man. Everyone can agree on that fact. I, I, I've been in prison with men who, who did the most harmful things to themselves because they just wanted a friend. Men will, they, they do things that are insane. They'll drive themselves insane just to have a friend or what they call a friend. But what is a true friend? Three things. A true friend cares for you. That's number one. Number two, a true friend fights for you. Number three, a true friend faithfully sticks by you like a brother. And a brother, as we see in the text, a, a brother is put forward as, as the ultimate friend. You know, because of sin, we see all the way from the very beginning with Cain and Abel, two brothers at war with one another. We see it with Jacob and Esau. We see it all through the scriptures. Uh, we see it in our own lives. Brothers at war with one another. Where brothers are not faithful to one another as they should be. But that's a result of sin. What should be, brothers should be close. They should care for one another. Fight for one another. Be f loyal and faithful to one another. And we can see that just naturally. Um, Case will always be a brother. If you, if you are a brother, you will always be a brother. From when you're born from your mother's womb, two, so you have two twins, they are always brothers. They live together, they eat together, they stay together. Just practically, they're always stuck together in their youth. That's what we see with brothers sticking together. Brothers ought to be the closest of friends. And here we see that the Lord Jesus is closer than even a brother. He is a true friend more than even a brother. Now as we go through these, I want you to, if you can, just picture in your mind someone who you know might maybe be able to meet these qualities. Maybe you think, well, I know somebody who's kind of like that. An old schoolmate or your spouse. I know someone who cares for me, who will fight for me, someone who sticks by me. I want you to think about that person as we go through this. And I want you to see how that person, keep them in your mind. And we're, gonna, we're just going to look at the Lord Jesus. We're going to look how the Lord Jesus stands up to all these things. And I want you to see if your friend comes anywhere close. Because the Lord Jesus is going to outweigh him. He is the greatest friend. The best friend. He is the champion friend. And ultimately he is the only one worthy of the title. Maybe you know someone like a co-worker. You could say, well, they care about me. I want you to ask, ask yourself, do they really care? Or, or a family member. Or maybe it's a spouse. Do they, I, I don't want to throw a wet blanket on anyone's relationship. That's not my intention. Because if you have a friend, it's a blessing. It most certainly is a blessing. But, but I, I want you to think, do they really fight for me? Do they really stick by me? Or are they merely fair-weather friends? Think about that. Are they really compassionate? 
when it comes to fighting for you? Do they really go out of their way for you? Do they really stick up for you? Do they really stick their neck out for you without having to ask? Do you have someone who, without you having to call them, they come to your aid? Do you have that? When it comes to loyalty, or this, maybe the friend that you think you have, are they really faithful? Would they be faithful if, if you lost everything, if you were homeless? Or name any vile sin. If, or if for some reason you could no longer be a benefit to them, would they really stick by you? Think about that in your mind. But first, again, I want us to look at the Lord Jesus. I want you to, I want you to think about the Lord Jesus and how He is the greatest friend. A true friend is someone who cares about you. The Lord Jesus cares for His people. He cares for His people. Whether you are rich or whether you are poor, whether you are clean, whether you are dirty, whether you are strong, whether you are weak, whether you are skilled or whether you are ignorant in so many things, the Lord Jesus cares for His friends. And He loves them. He cares. Now, just keep this, this other person in your mind. I want you to think, how does that person, anyone that, any person that you can think of in this world, how do they stack up to that? Just think about that as we go through these. He's a friend to all types and kinds of people, regardless of skin color, regardless of what language you speak, who your parents are, regardless of where you've been or what you've done. He does not close His door to you. He brings all people into His home. And He says, come. And He will not turn away one sinner who will come to Him. One sinner. There is no sin too terrible. No outcast too weird or strange or different. He takes everyone and he is no respecter of persons. He is a friend to all. He cares for even the vilest of sinners that come to him. He does not turn them away. Think of all the different kinds of sinners in the world. All the different kinds. We know that the evil that men do is it's not even right to speak of. There's so many different just my, I don't want you to take your imaginations away. But so many different types of people. People who we ourselves might not want in our homes because of, for whatever reason, the Lord Jesus is their friend. And He does not turn them away. He has pity. And He shows mercy. And He loves all types and kinds and people. He cares with gentleness. He is a gentle Savior. He isn't harsh. He is gentle. When He speaks, He speaks sternly and He means what He says. But He is gentle. Remember that He, remember the qualifications for an elder. The qualifications for elder that no one outside could speak ill of you. 
that, that you bear no reproach to the name of Christ. We know that the Lord was despised and rejected by men, but no man could speak ill of Him. He bore the reproaches of men, but He was a man without spot and a man without blemish in every way. He cares with gentleness. He cares with pity. We see Him healing the lame, healing the blind, where the Pharisees... The Pharisees didn't deal with so many people because of their, of their state. But the Lord showed pity on sinners. He cares with kindness. And He cares with compassion. I wanted you to think about the people that you know. The experiences that you've had through your own life. Think about your closest friend. And I want, you, I want you to ask how that person weighs up against the Lord Jesus. Does their compassion and their kindness and their gentleness, does it even come close to this mighty Savior? The Lord Jesus cares not only about the outward, but also the inward. If you will turn your Bibles to Psalm 103.13. We're going to look at a couple different portions. Psalm 103.13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Look at your own children and how much compassion and tenderness you have for your own child and realize that it's, it, it's nothing in compared to the compassion of the Lord Jesus, Amen. the greatest friend. Now turn to Isaiah 49. Verse 15. In the wrong place. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget. She may. Yet I will not forget you. The Lord does not forget His people. He knows our frame. He knows our need. What man knows the pain in his own heart? What man knows the pain in another man's heart? Or the joys of another man's heart? I can't see into Ben's heart. I can't see into Austin's heart. But the Lord knows the thoughts. And he knows the intentions of the thoughts. And he sees and he judges with righteous judgment. And he cares for our souls. The, the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you would turn back to Psalms 55 verse 17. 
And I just wanted us to see these texts. We're not gonna, I'm not going to make you keep flipping. Uh, but I wanted us to just, just think about some of these things. Think about this true friend who cares. He is so good. He's so good. It, we can't even fathom it. He is so good. We've never seen anything like it among men. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety. The Lord hears his people. He remembers that his people are dust, and he considers them. He remembers and cares. He cares. When, I, I, especially among men, Men like to tell each other to just put some dirt on it and, and, and just deal with it. But the Lord sees and He cares about the sensitive things, the emotional things, the things that, that plague our mind, the anxieties that might come. The, the Lord takes compassion and He considers these things and He gives peace and rest to His people. He is a true friend. He listens. How many people do you know? Just consider the best of friends. Consider a parent. Consider a child. How many people really listen? You know, when you walk down the street and you say to somebody, Hey, how are you? And, and who knows what they might say. Or someone says it to me, I don't know what I might say. It's a terrible thing. And I like to think the Lord Jesus, once, when he said, have a if he's told someone, have a nice day, he meant, have a nice day. Every word that ever came out of his mouth had meaning. And he meant it all. And it was, there was purpose to it. There was purpose to it. Psalm 147.3, you don't have to turn there. Again, I don't want to make you keep flipping. He says he heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. He binds up their wounds. He sees the brokenhearted. He sees those in anguish. He sees you if you're hurting, and no one else knows. The Lord knows, and he is a friend who is compassionate, and he cares. He gives affectionate kisses to his people in many ways. Through the Spirit, He blesses His people with reminders of His love. He blesses His people with, with reminders of assurance. He is an empath, empathetic friend. That word is really popular among liberals today. And it's sad. But the Lord is truly empathetic. Truly cares. He weeped with those who weep. Jesus wept. A merciful man. A caring man, a compassionate man. As a caring friend, he gives gifts. So many gifts. One of them, as I've already said, is rest and peace. He gives his beloved sleep. How many people toss and turn on their beds because they are alone? They feel alone. They're plagued with loneliness. It's not good for man to be alone. But the man who has Christ as a friend is not alone. He gave up his own life. What greater gift 
What greater gift than eternal life? What greater gift than his own self? Galatians 2.20, we all know the, know the verse, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Gave himself up for me. The friend who loves us so much that he laid down his own life. Not for righteous people, but for sinners. And a true friend is someone who encourages with sweet words. Not flattery, but sweet words and promises. Promises that are comforting. He tells us, Matthew 28, 20, the Great Commission. There he says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He tells his people that he will be with them. He's coming back. He gives us promises that we can hope in. He is a friend who wants what's best for you. He cares enough for you to offer counsel and wisdom and teaching. He doesn't, he doesn't talk about you behind your back, but instead he's, he's honest and he's up front. And he comes with, with counsel and admonition that is worth more than anything anyone else could ever give. And it is teaching and wisdom that is good for us. Everything he does is good for us. He doesn't spoil us. He doesn't spoil us like a bad father spoils a child. He is a good friend who wants what's best for us. And he says the hard things. And he gives us the truth. And it is the truth that we need. He knows our frame. He doesn't discount our infirmities. He lived as a man. God became man. And he is in heaven as our great high priest interceding for us. And even now, He knows our frame. He knows our frame and He is gentle because He knows our frame. We have a great high priest in the heavens. And He is a friend of sinners. Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine. 29, He says, Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He is gentle and lowly in heart. He is gentle to the wayward and the ignorant. He cares for his friends, morning, evening, noon, and night. Now, again, what man, what woman do you know that cares for you in this way? There is none. The Lord Jesus is the best of all friends. He is the truest of friends. The only truly worthy one to be called friend. He is the best of all friends. Now, moving on to the second characteristic. A true friend is someone who fights for you. And that is just what the Lord does 
for His people. He fights for His people. He fights for His friends. From eternity past, He saw us. When we did not know Him, He saw us. And He came into the world and laid down His life for His bride. He fights for His people. He went out of His way for us. How many friends will do that? A true friend protects you even when you don't know you need protecting. And that is what the Lord Jesus does. He put Himself in harm's way for your sake. A true friend without mere obligation or without being pushed or prodded or forced into something he doesn't want to do. A true friend sacrifices himself for your benefit out of love. And truly, the Lord Jesus is a true friend to even the chief of sinners. Even the chief of sinners. The Lord Jesus protects his people. He guards his people. Looks out for his people. Goes on the offense for his people. And will rescue his people in time of need. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. The Lord Jesus laid down his life for us, again, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet his enemies, in bondage to sin, didn't know, didn't know what was going on, dead in trespasses and sins, falling after the ways of the world. The Lord Jesus Ever before we knew Him, He loved us. He sought us and He bought us. He laid down His life so that we would be saved. He conquered sin, death, and hell and rescued us. He drank the wrath of God, drank hell on your behalf. Now think, think about that. Who do you know in your life would do such a thing? Would take hell upon themselves for you? None. He is the greatest friend. The singular greatest friend. The one worthy to be called true friend. And number three, a true friend sticks by you. And the Lord Jesus is the one singular friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is loyal. Who else is loyal? I've seen men join gangs. I've seen men team up and say, let's all throw our own purse in together and go hunt down someone else and let's, let's, let's form a group and we'll, we'll stick together. But there is no loyalty among thieves. Who is loyal that you know? Who changes not that you know? Who else can you always trust besides the Lord Jesus? Who else never lies, never told a lie, never been a slanderer, never gossiped? The Lord Jesus is the one true friend who doesn't lie, doesn't change, and is always faithful. Numbers 23, 19, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he, said, has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and he will not fulfill it? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. Changes not. 
And there, there is no variation or, or shadow of change. There's not even a glimpse that He might change. He is the same. And again, He means what He says. And He says what He means. He is the true friend. And He keeps His people. He keeps His people eternally secure. He will not let them out of His hand. He keeps His people Whoever comes to Him, He will not cast out. If He is your friend, He will always be your friend. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. His love is steadfast. He is there. You can call on Him, and He will not turn you away. If He is your friend, He will always be your friend. Any time, any place. I know... My wife, if I wake her up at 3 a.m. and need to have a heartfelt talk, she's, she's going to be upset. Many people, if you make a habit of that, they might block you, block your number. But the Lord is always there, morning, evening, noon, and night. How, how many people have you gone to church with, walked with, and then they leave? You never see them again. Or maybe it's just for providence's sake. I mean, just because you're, you're with someone and they move away. And you find, well, we're just not, we're not close like we used to be. The Lord Jesus is always with His people. He never leaves them. He never forsakes them. He is a faithful friend who always keeps His word. He, is, he will always keep His covenant from eternity past into eternity future. He is loyal. He is the greatest of all friends. He's not a fair-weathered friend. He's not fickle like men are fickle. He is the greatest of all friends. And He is the friend that we all need to know. If you're here to, tonight and you need a friend, this Savior will be your friend. If you need a friend, He will be your friend. Come to the Lord Jesus. Now, <coughs> this friend is the only one that can satisfy your soul. And I, I really just want to bring this out by way of application. He is the one that can satisfy your soul. Now, I want you to look at your life and look at all the times where you get angry with someone or you're short with someone or, or someone lets you down. You see this, I, I see it myself with, with Lori and I. Um, a lot of times, I've, I've seen it myself, people use that term church hurt. When we start looking at one another for what should only be found and can only be found in the Lord Jesus, it's idolatry. And then what we end up having is people get disgruntled and frustrated and let down and depressed and all these things. But there is peace in the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus satisfies the soul. It's not fun being alone. It's not good to be alone. Being alone keeps a person up at night, as I've said. 
men and women will do so many things not to be alone. I see it at my job. I see old men. I mean, 80 years old, never been married, and they're, they're dating. I mean, it, it's, it's bizarre. But it's human nature. Men just, they want acquaintances. They want companionship so bad. Men do not want to be alone. And they go crazy by themselves. No peace. No peace. I've seen men throw their lives away just to have a woman. Or a woman throw her life away just to have a man. I've not seen that so much, but I'm speaking from my own experiences. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And we know this to be true. The world knows this to be true. Just listen to the music. I, I don't mean to be funny, but this is just what came to my mind, is the song by Percy Sledge, where he says, where a man, when a man loves a woman, he can't keep his mind on anything else. That, that's true. What happens is, and then what proves is this woman drives him insane. Drives him insane. Lets him down. He, he, she lifts up some person and drops. Drops. But a man whose eyes are fixed on the Lord, the Lord keeps him at perfect peace. Perfect peace. So just be reminded of that. In all of our dealings with one another, throughout all of our days, there is a friend for our souls that we can have fellowship with who loves us and is there for us, who cares for us, who we can call upon. He is the Lord Jesus. He is the friend of sinners. And He sticks closer than any brother. Let's pray.